Next time someone comes to you with a prayer request, Pastor Ed Taylor suggests praying right there on the spot. We don't say someone in the church, you know what, I'll pray for you. You just pray. So oh, that's a heavy need. You know, I'll pray for you this week. Okay, that's great. Pray for them this week, but don't let them leave your presence without laying hands on them right then and there and pray for them so they could go with the peace of God. And that way, when a week comes and maybe you forgot to pray for them, and they come up to you and say, well, how was your prayer for me this week? You're not put in a real tight spot, are you? Because you pray for them right then and there. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hello, friend, and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're going to open the book of Romans today and concentrate on verses 9 and 10. It's here the Apostle Paul mentions his constant prayers for them. Pastor Ed has noticed a few things that can serve to help us pray in accordance with God's will. I think you'll find it helpful. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, you can jot it down. Paul simply says to pray without ceasing. And so not only does he say it, he also lives it out. Now, here's the problem with prayer, because many of us have been taught to pray in a way that in our minds there might be a battle going on. I don't understand how I can pray unceasingly when the way I was taught to pray, and you know it, maybe it was in Sunday school, maybe you picked it up along the way, but prayer to you often begins this way, doesn't it? Bow your heads. What's next? Close your eyes. And what's next? Fold your hands. Now, that is not a bad way to pray, by the way, especially if you're little Johnny in second grade pulling Sally's pigtails. That's a good thing to teach kids. Kids, close your eyes, put your hands down, fold them, and bow your heads. Not a bad way to pray. But bowing your head and closing your eyes and folding your hands is not going to fly in all 25, is it? Right? That's not going to work. So I'm listening to a Bible study on the way, and the pastor says, okay, let's pray. And you go, okay. That's not going to work. And what has happened over the years, I think, is that we have confused the position of prayer, the position of the body in prayer. Instead of focusing in, we've confused that position of our bodies in prayer instead of the position of the heart, because that's prayer. So if our heart is in the right position, we can pray with our eyes open. If our heart is in the right position, we can pray with our hands lifted up, our hands in our pockets, our hands behind our head. It doesn't matter. If our heart is in the right position, then we can pray with words or without words. You can say a silent prayer. We saw that with Hannah, didn't we? There she was in the temple praying. She was praying, seeking the Lord, but her mouth was moving, but no words were coming out. Was that prayer? Oh, yeah, it was prayer. And so praying unceasingly is simply the attitude of, you know what, Lord, you're in my life. I'm talking to you all day, every day about everything, constantly, continually. It doesn't have to begin with dear And it doesn't have to end with amen necessarily. You can just pray all day, Lord, look what's going on in my life. Jesus, would you help me here? You know, help me to to revive this. And, And it's simply laying the needs before the Lord, regardless of the position of our body. To pray without ceasing. 
that you recognize and that I realize that every opportunity, every situation in my life is an opportunity to draw nearer to the God who loves me. And just to always pray, to always be praying, to always be in that constant communion and communication with God. Because this world wants you not to be. Have you noticed that? This world so wants you not to be talking to God. This world wants you to be tuned into the television. This world wants you to have the radio on. This world, this, this world wants you to have the book in your hand. This world wants, every, it wants you thinking about work. It wants you thinking about the future. It wants you think, and, and all of those thoughts just seem to crowd out the reality that God, he's very interested in what's going on in your life right now. And he wants you to pray unceasingly that your life and my life would be one of prayer, not an episode of prayer, where I've said my prayers at dinner time, or I might have put my kids down to bed with prayer, or I might have said a prayer when Pastor Ed opened the Bible study, but prayer. Because we tell, we have no problem talking to one another, do we? I mean, we'll have conversations all the time, human to human. We'll talk about, maybe one time I'm talking with you and it's all about me and something I'm into. You're really not into it, but you're a good listener, so we're having that conversation. Or sometimes it might be you. We're talking about what you're into, but I'm not really into it, so I want to be a good listener. The other times we're both talking to one another and we're digging on each other. We both are interested in the topic. Well, let me tell you, God is always interested in what's on your heart. Always. There's not a time where he is uninterested or uninvolved in your life. And prayer is that release. When you're praying unceasingly, it's so much easier to live in the power of God's Holy Spirit than it is to be in our stinking, rotten flesh that continues to rear its ugly head in our lives to try to destroy us. So pray unceasingly. Look at this next one, number three. In your prayers, have a heart of thanksgiving. Pray unceasingly. And number three, mention others. Pray for others. Have on your heart other people and other needs. Have on your heart issues that are going on in other people's lives. Mention others. Notice, that's what Paul says. He says at the end of verse 9, Without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. You would want to be on Paul's prayer list, you know? That's a brother you would want to hook up as a prayer partner because he's always, always, always talking about always. I pray for you always. Whenever I remember you, I pray for you that's the kind of prayer partners we want to be. I'm always praying for you. You know, you can pray for people without knowing them personally. You know that. You could pray for people without ever knowing their name or their address or their phone number. We get emails all the time of the prayer team that comes through that we don't know. Sometimes they want them anonymous, and so we don't necessarily know who it is, but we're praying for them, and I believe God hears that. We pray for the issues of, of the heart. Maybe I mentioned here, and you're praying for somebody because I mentioned, you know, we had a new diagnosis of cancer, and so although you don't know who they are, you're praying for them. And you know, God hears your prayers. Or there might be some financial issue that's going on, and I share, hey, people are going through this, and although you don't know who they are, you pray for them, God hears your prayers. And maybe it's the next step of, some of you, God has brought you to the next step where you're not just saying, you know, I'll pray for them even though I don't know them. Maybe you'll pray for them even though you don't know them, and then you'll come up to me and say, Pastor Ed, who is it? I want to meet them. I want to talk to them. I want to pray for them face to face. I want to know their name. I want to have them over for dinner. I want to encourage them, because that's the body ministry. That's prayer. And when we pray for one another, God unites us. There's this unity that's built. Hold your places here. Flip over to Romans 16 because this blows me away. The time that Paul was writing this, he had never been to Rome. He'd never been to Rome. He's writing to a group of people he's never met, never seen face to face. But in Romans 16, I want you to see this. And I got a little bit of homework for you. 
So today I want you to go home and look through Romans chapter 16 and count how many people Paul mentions by name. And then homework for some of you is next week you need to remind me for you to turn in your homework. Because I forget. I give all this homework. I never ask for you to turn it in. So next week just remind me to ask. And you could turn your homework in next week. But notice, notice. Paul's never been there. And just pick up verse 1. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who's a servant of the church in Sincrea, that you might receive her in the Lord. And then verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Verse 6, greet Mary. Verse 7, Andronicus and Junia. Verse 8, Amplius. And I'm not going to go anymore. You have to count them yourself. <laughs> Look at all these names he knows. But he's never been there. How, is that How does that happen? How is it possible? Well, because Paul was praying for them. And as Paul was praying for them, his heart was knit together with them. And his heart was knit together with them, he began to reach out to them. And they began to reach out to him. And they began to hook into one another. And so now it's no longer a face. And now it's a name. It's no longer a name. Now it's a house where you live. It's no longer a house where you live. Now it's a need that you have. And as a church, we start to grow strong with one another. Pray for each other, guys. Continue to reach out to one another. Flip over to 1 Timothy now, chapter 2, because... I believe Paul writes to this young pastor to give instruction on prayer and he wants to lay some priorities for us in who we are and what we're known for. Jesus comes into the temple in the New Testament and he's just absolutely, just, just can't believe all the marketing that's going on, all the things that are going on. He turns over the tables and he says, this is a house of prayer. Well, if his body of believers is a house of prayer, look at what Paul tells, chapter 2, verse 1, 1 Timothy, few pages to the right. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, and this is it. He says, this is what I want you to do first. Uh, this is what I want you to know for first. I exhort, first of all, that supplications, that's asking from God. Prayers, that's general prayer. Intercessions, that's asking for others. He says, this is what I want in the church. I want supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. First of all, Timothy, be a church of prayer. Don't skip over this. It's essential. It's vital. It's critical. Be a church that prays, praying always for everyone. It's almost as if Paul's telling him, don't be known for your building. Don't be known for your outreach or your social concerns. Don't be known for your size or your budget. Don't be known for anything, but be known as a church of prayer. That when prayer requests come through, we pray. That when God puts something on our heart, we pray for one another. We encourage one another. We, we don't say, and, I, and, and the Lord busted me of this long ago. We don't say someone in the church, you know what, I'll pray for you. You just pray. So, oh, that's a heavy need. You know, I'll pray for you this week. Okay, that's great. Pray for them this week. But don't let them leave your presence without laying hands on them right then and there and pray for them so they could go with the peace of God. And that way, when a week comes and maybe you forgot to pray for them, and they come up to you and say, well, how was your prayer for me this week? You're not put in a real tight spot, are you? Because you prayed for them right then and there. And you sought God's will and heart for them right then and there. And so be known as a church that prays. Now back in Romans number four, 
Number one, remember, was a heart of thanksgiving. Number two was to pray unceasingly. Number three was to make requests for others to intercede. So when you hear that phrase, intercessory prayer, it simply means to ask for others or ask on behalf of others. The fourth one is come to God requesting, not demanding. That's really important. Come to God in prayer, requesting from God, not demanding God to move at your whim and at your will. So many have turned prayer into a list of demands. I tell you, God, that you promised me this, and I made this vow to you, and you said this, and now I want it now, I want it right now, in Jesus' name, amen, poof. That's not prayer, is it? It turned God into some cosmic genie who's supposed to come at our whim to do our will, but that's not prayer, friends. Prayer is not accomplishing our will in heaven. That's not going to fly. Prayer is accomplishing God's will on earth. So who changes in prayer, God or you? That's right. We change. Our hearts become in tune with his. We begin to see his heart and his will and his desire. God is not our servant. We're his. So in prayer, we don't come demanding. Notice, he says in verse 10, making request if. And just, Lord, if it's possible, if this is your, Lord, I, I'm just asking you, by any means, by some means, he says, now at last I might find a way in the will of God to come to you. I mean, Paul wants to be there, no doubt about it, but he leaves it at the foot of God's will. He says, I'm going to ask if there's any way, God, but he leaves it at his will, which brings us to number five, if you're jotting them down. A great strength comes to us in prayer as we rest in the will of God. We rest and not, not wrestle against it, but rest in it. Rest in the will of God. Again, in verse 10, making requests that by some means, now at last, I might find a way in the will of God to come to you. Guys, I've been waiting to come to you, he says. I've been wanting to go there. My heart's there. My body's not. I love you guys. I know you guys. I've heard about you guys. I want to hook up with you. I want to be there. But you know, it's just not God's will. I want to be there. And I'm hoping I can be there. And I'm open to be there. But you know, I'm praying that it's God's will that I can. That's the essence of prayer. I pray to accomplish God's will on earth, not my will in heaven. And when you grasp this part of prayer, everything changes. Because it's not my will, it's his. It's not my way, it's his. It's how John prayed. It's how Peter prayed. It's how Paul prayed. It's how Jesus prayed. So please don't be deceived by those on television or those with large ministries that emphasize faith to the point where, you know, you should demand from God. There are even teachers today that would say, you should not pray for the will of God because if you pray for the will of God, you lack faith and therefore you're in sin. No, they do not understand the clear teaching of Scripture. They are twisting the Scriptures to their own end just like the Bible says. Jesus prayed for the will of God. John prayed for the will of God. Paul prayed for the will of God. Every prayer in the scriptures you see yielding to the will of God. Think about this for a moment, just in your own life. Think of all the prayers that you've had in the entirety of your life. The prayers like, oh God, I will if you will kind of prayers. Oh God, this is the right person for me. I know it. You've got to give me this person for the rest of my life. And you know what? God said, no. And it crushed you, didn't it? But as you walked with him over a course of a few years and, and someone else came into your life and you noticed, you know what, that, that, that choice way back then, I don't think that was a good choice. 
And God knew that wasn't a good choice. You might have not known it was a good choice, but God did. And in his will, he saved you from a lot of pain. I mean, this is so important to grasp, especially in the context of relationships and primarily, but not exclusively, to you singles. Because what I find with singles is they get to a place where you begin to wrestle against the will of God. Because today, the will of God is singleness. And you're frustrated because yesterday was the will of God is singleness. Last month was the will. And for years you've been wrestling with this. And so what happens is you say, you know, I'm going to help God out a little bit here. And I know I've been praying and I'm just going to go out and seek someone on my own. Oh, you know, it's okay if they're sort of a believer. I mean, they don't really have to be a believer, do they? As long as they say it, right? Just tell me you're a believer. And so you tell the guy or the gal, tell me you're a believer. I'm a believer. But they're really not. So first of all, the Bible says that's sin because the Bible says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So that's a sin, first and foremost. But here's the attitude. Well, even if he's not a believer, he will be before I'm done with him. <laughs> no. Relationships are not missionary endeavors. I'll tell you. I've seen it over and over again where someone will hook up with an unbeliever and say, well, he's a nice guy, she's a nice gal, and she sort of loves God, and she said she'd go to church with me, and, and she even did one time, and then over the years they get hooked up and there's really no connection in Jesus, and eventually I don't see that strong, vibrant single anymore because now in their married relationship in an unequally yoked situation, that unbeliever pulled them down. They never pulled them up. And so I warn you, it's not just in singleness, but that's the application here that I believe the Lord has for some of you. For all of us, it, the issue about the will of God is simply one of control, isn't it? That really is what it is. Control. And we're so good at control and manipulating the circumstances when God has clearly said no. I want to show you something with Paul. He certainly had a place to do that. Let's read on in Romans chapter 1 and look at all the great reasons why he should be in Rome. Look at verse 11. For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift so that you might be established. I mean, that's a good thing, isn't it? I want to be there because I love you guys. I, I want to give you a gift. I, I, I want you guys to be strong. Those are spiritual reasons. Look at verse 12. That is, that I might be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of you and me. Well, that's a good reason, isn't it? We're going to fellowship together. We're going to enjoy one another. I'm going to Rome because I want to hook, I want to hang out with you and enjoy you. He says, verse 13, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as I was among the other Gentiles. I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and unwise. So, verse 15, as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Did you hear that? They are all good reasons. I, want to, I long to see you. I want to bless you. I want to be blessed by you. I've often planned this trip. It's been on my heart. I want fruit among you. I feel like I'm a debtor to you. I want to preach the gospel. And there's nothing wrong with any of these reasons. They're good, they're noble, they're spiritual, they're powerful, they're wonderful. But right now in Paul's life, right now where Paul is, it's not the will of God for him to go to Rome. And so what do you do when you have a lot of good reasons, but God said no? You listen to God. If he says no, then listen to him. That's the problem, isn't it? We just want to control our lives. 
Some of you might even have a banner over your life. You might be called control freaks. The ones that laugh know what I'm talking about. You just can't let go. It has to be your way or the highway. It has to be done this way. It has to be done that way. You give no grace, no leeway. You make room for no mistakes because you want to control. Things are going on in your family right now and you have only wanted to control it more. I mean, you're holding on as tight as you can. You're not letting go. Matt, I encourage you today, let go. Just let go and give God room to work. Think about it. The more you control, the more you hang on, the more you push God's will away. He wants to work in the situation. He wants to work in your family. He wants to work with your finances. He wants to work in your emotional makeup. He wants to work, but you've got to let go. He wants to establish his will in your life, and you're afraid. And because of your fear, because of your fear, you grasp on thinking, if I'm in control, then wherever I want will be accomplished. But it's not that way anymore. We want God's will and God's control in our life. And for some of you, you're here today or you're listening in with this CD or on the radio. You're on our website listening right now. And the word of the Lord to you is simply to let go and give God room to work in your life. With that, we'll draw today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor to a close. He's been covering Romans chapter 1 today. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. This is a fairly new site. As you take a look around, you'll notice Pastor Ed's blog, the Abounding Grace podcast, our show archives, and even a place to make a secure donation as the Lord leads. That's AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'd like to suggest adding a couple of apps to your mobile devices. Look for our church app and Grace FM Colorado app available on all platforms when you do a search for Calvary Church Aurora. They're free and a great way to fill up on the teaching of the Word wherever you may be. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time. And think of this. You'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's abounding grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, you're invited to request a book by Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn called Jesus Revolution. Some of you were alive to remember how God got a hold of an unlikely group of men and women in the 60s and 70s. You'll read the amazing true story of the Jesus Movement, an amazing time of mass revival, renewal, and reconciliation. Can God do it again? You bet. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE. Again, to order the book, call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed, we've been talking a lot about prayer today, and it's probably a good time to mention how important it is to pray for each other. How might our listeners be praying for abounding grace? And would you also take this time to invite our listeners to send in their requests? Larry, this is a great uh, reminder of the importance of prayer. Um, Jesus said that his house would be a house of prayer. And I know that we prayer gets a lot of discussion, might even bring up a lot of uh, difficulty like condemnation, but it shouldn't. Prayer is so vital. And praying for abounding grace, which is really just an outreach ministry of Calvary Church here, in Aurora, Colorado. You can pray for us to continue to have the heart and strength and resources to keep Abounding Grace on the air in more and more stations around the country. 
Uh, we have just put up a new website, AboundingGraceRadio.com. And don't forget, there's two Gs, Abounding and then GraceRadio.com. And you can go there and connect with us if you want to send us a prayer request, how we can be praying for you. Uh, we have prayer ministries here at the church that we pray over the requests that come in. But just pray for us. Let, let the Holy Spirit lead you uh, as we continue to expand the ministry. And, and even as changes are coming, I, I was contacted by a broadcaster recently that they want to do something different with one of the hours that we're on there. And, and so whatever the Lord has, we want to be ready. Uh, change is good. We may not always like change, but we embrace change. So just pray for us, would you? Pray for us financially, pray for us spiritually, uh, and maybe that your prayers will lead you to act and perhaps give financially or you know, reach out, tell somebody, forward the podcast, forward the teaching to someone else that we might be able to encourage them in the Lord. Again, we really want to hear from you. Send in your prayer requests by email when you visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Then click on Contact. We look forward to hearing from you and praying for you. Our study of Romans resumes tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Set aside another half hour as we continue our look at the beautiful gospel of grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.